The iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like taking those perfect New Year, New You portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE to learn more or visit a store today. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Understanding Business. I'm your host, Peter Lamont, and today we've got a great show. I'm very excited to have with us Zach Fleischman, the COO of Shark Wheel. And if any of you are fans of the show Shark Tank, you may have seen Zach on Shark Tank, you know, looking to make a deal with the sharks. And we're going to talk to him today about his company, about his amazing product, which essentially is the recreation of of the wheel. So uh, I'd like to bring Zach on. Zach, thanks for joining me today and for being on the show. Yeah, really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, this is just an unbelievable, amazing, like outlandish product. It's a, it's like a square wheel. That's crazy. Yeah, it, it really is. It's, um, you, you know, I see this shape every single day for over two years. And I'm still amazed by it. Um, it's still hard for me to wrap my brain around how it even works, let alone how it outperforms other wheels. Um, so it's pretty interesting. Uh, it's a new shape that's never been seen by anyone. It's half cube and half sphere. So it looks like a square when it's rolling, but it feels perfectly smooth. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, you're like, wow, how does this thing ever roll? It's just, there's no way. But it's amazing when you watch some of the video and uh, materials that you have on the website to see it and to see the way it performs. And then you look at some of the reviews where people have used it in pro competitions. Um, it's just unbelievable. But uh, before we get into the product and the wheel and we talk to people or talk to you about how this whole thing developed, Let's talk a little bit about your background because you have a unique background. You're not a skateboarder. You're a tennis player, right? You're a pro tennis player. Um, yeah, I was a pro tennis player, but now I am an adopted skateboarder. That's my new sport. Um, however, yeah, I was a pro tennis player on the ATP tour for 10 years. Uh, I used to travel around the world um, over 30 weeks a year for, for 10 years. Um, so that is my background. I grew up playing tennis every single day of my life and uh, really dedicated myself to the sport and decided to be a pro when I was 12 years old, if you can believe that. Wow. That's when I made my decision. Um, and uh, yeah, it was hours a day, every day, a lot of sacrifices. And I played one year of college tennis at UCLA and then I, uh, and then I went pro. How does a pro tennis player get involved in the creation of a square wheel? <laughs> that is a great question. And, uh, I never would have thought it could ever happen. Um, but this is, this is the version of the story, uh, that, that really happened is, um, my, my tennis coach slash physical trainer used to travel with me to all of the major tournaments like the U S open and such. 
Um, and we used to split a hotel room and he always used to see me reading science books, uh, physics books, cosmology books. And, um, it's just been my passion my entire life. My, my number one hobby has been studying science and he used to make fun of me and say, Hey, why don't you pick up a book? That's actually fun to read one of these days. And I was like, that's what I enjoy. That's my thing. Um, so one day I was working out at his gym in, uh, Orange County and he said, you're not working out today. I want you to come into my office. Um, he said, one of my clients made a major scientific discovery, the kind of discovery that would put you, you know, on the cover of time magazine. And he said, you know, not only would I, you know, do I think that you would understand it, uh, but you would greatly appreciate and be fascinated hearing about it. Um, so he introduced me to this individual just as a curiosity for me, just so I could hear what this discovery was about. Um, so for me, I, I ended up meeting David Patrick um, a few years back, just as you know, purely a curiosity. And uh, and let me tell you that that was an understatement. I was blown away the first time I met David. I met with him for five hours, and he tried to squeeze in uh, eight years of his research and discovery into those five hours. So my brain was a little a uh, little bit fried on overload learning about his incredible discovery that he is still yet to release. Uh, he plans to release it next year. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it started off as me just wanting to be involved in any way, shape or form just so I could, uh, learn. I just have an incredible thirst for knowledge and I just wanted to learn how he came up with this. Uh, so I, I had known David for a little over eight months before it became a business relationship. And here's the funny thing is David is just a one of a kind person and, uh, eight months into, into knowing David, um, out of nowhere, he all of a sudden he says, oh, did I ever show you this? Yeah, it's a square wheel that rolls. Uh, just it, kind of in passing. Um, and I, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. Um, and it, my first call with, within 60 minutes of him showing me this wheel, the first call was to a patent lawyer. Right. Um, and we, we developed a, you know, a business relationship. He had actually had that shape for a couple of years. Um, but didn't look at it as a business at the time. Um, and you know, I just think that we were, we ended up being a real dynamic duo. Um, you know, he, you know, he, he takes care of the technology side. I take care of the business side. And, uh, you know, even though I have a tennis background, my personality is simply to outwork my opponent at all times, outthink my opponent, um, do anything it takes to, uh, to hit a goal. So I, I just really have horse blinders on and, and have worked 24-7 on this for the past couple of years. You know, it's really cool. And, and my understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, my understanding is that this wheel was kind of an accident. It wasn't originally meant to be a wheel. It was something else he was working on, right? Yes, it's it's pretty much correct what you're saying. Um, it, it it was never intended to be a wheel. That that is 100% factual. Um, but I wouldn't label it as an accident. Um, that shape is very integral to his theory that he developed. Um, that he take took eight years in developing what he, you know, one of the things that he had realized is in nature, um, nature chooses alternating movements as its most efficient form of motion. So whether you look at how a snake slithers back and forth, whether you look at how a fish or a shark swims with a sine wave motion back and forth, whether you look even how a human walks, 
It was an alternating gait, right, left, right, left. That's nature's choice of motion. You see it actually even in how the planets move, and um, you even see how uh, when Tesla won his battle against Edison because he had an alternating current uh, compared to uh, Edison's direct current. So alternating uh, motions in nature are better. They're more efficient. They're, they're faster. They're, they just, they exhibit, uh, advantages over direct motion. Um, so David knew that going in. He also knew that he understood the how a cube and how a sphere interact and how they can combine to form a hybrid shape. He knew that um, he knew a lot about that shape. He knew uh, an extensive amount about that shape, and he knew that it would roll. But he just never knew. You know, he knew it would roll because he knew that the outside diameter of it was spherical. But he never looked at it as if it was. Uh, a wheel that uh, could form a business, let alone have true competitive performance advantages that we've proven out with scientific testing. So, right. uh, you know, when we when we got together, I think it was just the perfect match. Now, would you describe your your relationship as uh, as equal in the business sense, or is he more of the the creative force and you're more of the business, the the you know operations? How how does that distribute it between the two of you? I would say that he is one hundred percent the creative force behind this. He is the brains behind this operation. He is the you know he is the integral piece. There's absolutely no doubt about it. I believe that I'm the hardworking piece behind it. I'm the the guy that you know that does the grind, right. um, and I have no problem with that whatsoever. That is my job in the business is to make everything happen. So I take care of everything from, uh, getting investment to licensing deals, to sourcing manufacturing, to, you know, literally every single facet of the business from, um, you know, uh, you know, what, what really launched the business was our Kickstarter campaign. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, um, so I, you know, I, I ran the entire campaign, uh, you know, really all the grunt work, all of the, the busy hard work that needs to be done, all the phone calls and meetings that need to be made. I did all the patents as well. Um, anything that needs to be done on the business side, that's me. Anything that needs to be done on the creative technology side, that's definitely not me. Um, and that is, uh, David. And actually we have a real secret weapon in house. Um, and his name is Pedro Valdez. He is absolutely our secret weapon. He's, um, he's the most sought after mold maker in the world. He's the guy that the uh, that built all of the uh, outfits and or not outfits, but the villain costumes and Batman, Spider Man, Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, the list goes on and on from wow. Independence Day to everything else. He is literally brought in on every major Hollywood movie to create the molds. Um, so our shape, you know, even though it was amazing and, and, you know, even though we knew that we had a business, we, we had a humongous stumbling block and that was how do we make that shape in mass production? It's such a complicated piece of geometry, um, to make. And what we found out is in the skateboarding industry, you have to make a wheel every four seconds to have a price point that is competitive in the in the marketplace. Well, our first mold that we made for mass production took 60 seconds. So if, if your mold even takes eight seconds to make a skateboarding wheel, you're double the cost of everyone else. Right. We couldn't have that. So Pedro was able to figure out over seven months of work uh, how to make 
our mold at the exact same price point and the same timeline as everyone else, um, which was thought to never even be possible. So we ended up having this amazing business, this amazing thing. And we thought that, you know, for a minute that we weren't even be able to be in the marketplace because we couldn't mass produce it. But, uh, we were able to overcome that hurdle and, um, we are the same price as everyone else. So, I mean, the important lesson I think to learn there is, is the importance of finding the right people for your business, because Pedro for you is the guy. And so many, so many businesses, they, they kind of, they fail because you're not looking for the right guy or girl that you need to help you with your business. No doubt about it. And that's what David has really preached from day one. I mean, David is the most intelligent person I've ever met in my life. Um, however, he's the first person to say that you can never do it alone. He knew from day one that you had to build an all-star team. And that's what we did. Um, my father was the original financer of the business. Um, I took care of all of the grunt work and got the, you know, the business part off the ground. David, of course, <clears throat> did the, the heaviest lifting of us all. And Pedro was the one that, that, uh, you know, made our, uh, you know, ability to go into the market even possible. And, you know, everyone on our team, our team has grown since then. It really plays, you know, their role. And that's the only way that we're able to generate any level of success was by building that team. You know, now let me ask you this. You started off as a tennis player and I know you were big into science, but how did you develop the skill to know, hey, listen, we need a patent on this right away and to start taking those business steps that, you know, people go to school to learn. How did you, how did you come across and develop that skill? That's a great question. Um, and I would have the same question, uh, if I was on the other side of the fence, there's no doubt about it. Um, you know, I think that, I think it's really a twofold answer. Um, you know, tennis, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of tennis in general, just because of what it teaches you. And, you know, tennis is an individual sport. There's not a time limit. And it's the only sport in the world where there's where coaching is not allowed. So you have to learn to figure everything out on your own. And um, so, yeah, in competition, no coaching allowed. And, and you know, a, an opponent can never run the clock out on you. So you always have time to come back. You always have time to win. And it's just a matter. It's, it's like a physical chess match. That's the way I look at it. And um, so I think that it gave me a lot of skills um, that – I didn't even know would translate into the business world. And also I look at business as another sport. To me, it's, it's purely competition. And even though I never took those formal classes on, you know, licensing, I never took a class on, uh, you know, investments. I never took a class on manufacturing, prototyping, advertising. I never took those classes, but, um, I think in starting up your own business, you have a true crash course in that. And I think one of my, probably my greatest skills is just that I, I learn quickly and I have that thirst for knowledge. So I will literally spend my entire days, um, immersing myself in, um, becoming a master of what I do. And so I, I wouldn't say that I had the pedigree to do this at all. I, I, you know, my one promise to David, I had one promise, um, in trying to convince him that I would be a great business partner for him. I said, look, I, you know, I don't have those degrees. I don't have, 
um, the experience. I don't have the resume of the other people, but what I do have and what I can absolutely guarantee and promise and prove to you is that I will outwork everyone. And that's a guarantee. Um, and I think that he knew that, you know, I had a lot of success, um, even though it wasn't in the business world, I had a lot of success in, um, in the tennis world. And, you know, I've dealt with a lot of pressure filled situations. I've dealt with, um, you know, a lot of things that, that even though they don't seem like they directly translate to the business world, they absolutely have. Um, so I would say that, you know, I really had a crash course in business and, and it was a fun learning curve for me. It was fun. I wanted to figure it out as quick as possible. And, um, and, and, and that's what I did. You know, I think our business is, is unique because there's so many different markets we can enter into. Um, so it, it, you know, we're really a manufacturing company and we're a licensing company. And so I think I got a taste of really, uh, you know, wide variety of different things it takes to grow a business. You know, I think one of the most important points that you make is the idea of working hard because so many people, so many entrepreneurs, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll come to a seminar, they'll talk to me separately and they'll say, I don't want to work so hard. I thought I was going to go open up my own business so that I'd have more time. And I think that that's a misconception. If you don't put in that hard work, you're not going to succeed. It's not easy. It's not handed to you. And, and you, I think you demonstrated that through what you were saying. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I think that it's, it's absolutely hard work, but I think the other, thing that needs to be mentioned that's equally important maybe is sacrifices. So the same way that I made sacrifices trying to be a tennis pro, I mean, I didn't go to my senior prom, you know, I was playing a tournament internationally. I made a decision. Um, I made a lot of, you know, that's just one random example, but I made a lot of sacrifices in order to become a, a, you know, in order to reach my dreams of being a tennis pro. And, um, uh, and I think I did the exact same thing in order to start this business because I actually had, um, uh, well, just as a quick backstory, I, I had a major injury that knocked me off of the tennis tour. I, I got up to 11 in the United States and 127 in the world, and I flew off a mountain bike the week that I reached my career high ranking. And it basically knocked me out of competition. I had to have two so- shoulder surgeries and, um, it was a pretty catastrophic injury for me. Um, but I ended up developing a tennis business, uh, after I left the tour that was very successful in Southern California and it was growing very quickly. And I was actually just about to acquire an entire tennis center that, um, that was going to be extraordinarily profitable and, uh, be able to really, really grow my business even further. Um, and it was right when I met David and I really had to make a decision if I was going to, uh, stay in the tennis world and, uh, take this very secure job that still had a lot of upside, but you know, it had a ceiling on how many hours you can play tennis. Right. Um, and you know, I, I really, I, it was a very difficult decision or to start a, you know, begin a startup company where I knew I wasn't going to be able to take a salary for a very long time. Um, and I just decided to kind of dive in head first. So I think it was about making those sacrifices and I ended up, um, you know, completely getting off the tennis court recently. Um, you know, I, I've taught tennis lessons up until, you know, just very recently and got my first paycheck from shark wheel literally in the last month or two. Wow. Wow. Now you have had, you mentioned it before you talked about your, your crowdfunding campaign and, um, you've had incredible success with that. 
if I'm not mistaken, you made way more than what you were originally trying to 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 raise. Isn't that right? That's correct. Yes. Uh, so in uh, 2013, in the summer of 2013, we had this incredible idea. We had, uh, you know, just the bare bones prototypes made. We, you know, we 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 hadn't even you know, figured out the industry at all yet, but we wanted to see what the market thought. And so we launched a Kickstarter campaign. We spent a considerable amount of time trying to make a very professional video and trying to make it look really good. And we did our homework. Let me tell you, we did our homework before we launched that campaign in terms of, um, preparing ourselves to contact the media, um, you know, really getting in front of many, as many eyeballs as possible. Um, we ended up, we ended up far exceeding what we, what our expectations were though. Um, we, we got well over a million views to our campaign in 30 days. Wow. We, um, we raised almost 800% of our goal. So we, we asked for $10,000 to build the molds, to build the metal molds for our wheel. And at the end of 30 days, we had, uh, just a tick under $80,000. So it was a wildly successful campaign and it wasn't even just the money that we made or the views that we got. It was what came after that. Um, the discovery channel came out to feature us for reinventing the wheel. Um, you know, uh, dozens of distributors around the world contacted us to carry our product. Um, you know, so it was just a nonstop flow of, uh, of really free advertising for almost 12 months. It was pretty incredible. The problem was all that, uh, attention came when we didn't even have a product to sell. Right now, you know, what's, what's great about this story is that you had the concept, you had the product, you didn't have it in, in a way where you could, you know, mass distribute it, but you grew interest in this company purely online through Kickstarter. That's amazing. That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. It, you know, Kickstarter was the the best thing that we ever did as a company ever. Um, and you know, it really did, you know, it did what it really kickstarted us. It launched our company. It gave us that life that we needed. It gave us that, you know, that initial capital injection. It gave us, um, you know, it gave us a way to contact other investors because we had now a real proof point that people wanted our product. We had a reason to exist. We had, we really had a viable thing that people were interested in. It wasn't just, Hey, look, we have a square wheel. It was, wait, we have something that the market wants. Um, and you know, really that last obstacle was simply, can we make this at a price that, uh, is competitive. And that's what took us over seven months after the Kickstarter ended to even figure out. You know what though? I mean, you tell me what you think. I think I already know what your answer is. If you hadn't put in that time to do your homework before you launched that Kickstarter campaign and put together something super professional, do you think you would have received as much, you know, in the way of, of revenue as you did? I, I don't think it would have been close. I think a lot of people, at least from at least from my limited knowledge of it is that people think that simply by clicking that green button on Kickstarter to launch the campaign, that money is just going to start flowing in. Um, even when you reinvent the wheel, even when, you know, you have something that at least in my biased opinion is so revolutionary, um, you still have so much work to do. It's scary. And, um, 
I look at Kickstarter as a full-time job and, you know, it's a full-time job for 30 days. And, you know, the truth is it's, it's really a full-time job for more than 30 days because the preparation that goes into it is, is pretty extensive. And to have a successful campaign, I think that there's an, uh, you know, a real framework that needs to be built first. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a, a mistake that people make all the time. Oh, I'm on Kickstarter. So what? You know, I think you put the time in and when people come to the Kickstarter page and they saw what you were doing, they were able to kind of be drawn into the innovative product as opposed to just saying, what what, what the heck's this? And then moving on. Um, so right. I think that was a, a great job and a great lesson for people to learn about Kickstarter or any sort of, of, of anything you put out there on the market, whether it's an advertisement on the on the Internet, whether it's a crowdfunding campaign, it's a YouTube video, whatever it is, try to be as professional as you can be and do it in a way that's thought out um, so that, you know, you get the most amount of interest in it. Exactly. And I think it's even more important for a Kickstarter campaign than any other vehicle you could use because when people are looking up your company, they're Google searching it, when investors are doing their diligence on it, they're going to find that campaign. And if you know, if you didn't put your hard work into that campaign, that thing is very public. It's very easy to find. And, you know, if you have a failure there, um, it's, it, it could be very hard, I would imagine to overcome that and to explain your way out of it. Yeah. So I think that when you're going into the public eye like that, you really have to do your homework. Yeah. Now you talked about investors. So let's just take a second and talk about, uh, your, your recent experience on Shark Tank, where you were looking for an investment. I believe your show aired sometime in May of this year. Am I right? It did. It aired on May 15th on the season finale. All right. So most of our, our listeners, people that that you know are fans of the show, they know what Shark Tank is. We've had a lot of people from Shark Tank on and talked about some of their experiences. But you guys had somewhat of an amazing experience because, if I recall correctly, you ended up getting three sharks to come in together to help you with your company. Yes, we did. Um, you know, what was pretty amazing is uh, even the, the morning of the, you know, the, the filming of the show, me and David were talking and we really wanted those three sharks. We really wanted Nick Woodman. We really wanted Kevin O'Leary and we really wanted Mark Cuban, but we weren't willing to give up a lot of equity in order to do that. So we were trying to figure out which one of the three we thought would fit our business best. And we, we couldn't really even come to a consensus on that. Um, you know, we, we had different differing opinions there. And that's also one of the other things me and David disagree on a lot of stuff. We're, we're born six months apart to the day. And so we see things uh, a little different sometimes, but it ends up being a good balance at the end of the day. But, uh, we, we wanted those three sharks. Um, we didn't really see a possibility on how to get those three. Um, but what ended up happening, um, you know, during the course of uh, the time we're on the show was a deal ended up transpiring that, that, you know, got us those three. And it was just an incredible experience. I mean, it was, you know, I've walked out on the court at Wimbledon, U.S. Open, French Open, Australian Open, and nothing can prepare you for walking out in front of the Sharks. Right. Now, how do you think, you know, your, your um, collaboration with these investors, with these, I mean, unbelievably successful business people, how do you think it's going to change Shark wheel. 
You know, I think it already has um, dramatically. You know, the the thing is, is that, you know, there's certain products that are on Shark Tank where they have explosive sales even the night that it airs. Yeah. Uh, We were not one of those companies. You know, we we currently only sell skateboarding products. And, you know, we we see ourselves really as a licensing company, even though, uh, you know, skateboarding is really the only market we'll ever manufacture in. But we, we have plans to go into every single wheeled industry you can think of anything from printers to wheelchairs to military vehicles we want to be on everything um but you know we just you know we we didn't see um how well i lost my train of thought there for a second i'm sorry peter but um but I was really, I had some, I was really onto something good there, but I, it slipped my mind exactly <laughs> the point I was trying to make. But, um, but basically that, you know, the, the shark tank experience, oh, right. The shark tank experience for us was, um, even though we didn't have those explosive sales on that opening weekend, we had great sales and they went up by about five fold and they've stayed consistent through today. Um, so we've really seen a major growth in our company. Um, you know, some of those companies that go on that sell, say, cupcakes or something, they might make $100,000 that night that they air. Um, we don't have a story like that, but, you know, we have really consistent, solid growth. And um, we've been contacted by 12 major companies in markets that we want to enter licensing deals on. And we're, we're finalizing details with a couple of them right now. That's great. I mean, the idea of, of licensing, I mean, you, you, you talking about luggage, you're talking about, like you said, anything that has wheels and, and here you guys as a company can generate a tremendous amount of money just from licensing the technology, you know, and it, it still keeps you in, in, in the skateboarding business, but you're going to probably, you know, just such a dramatic increase in revenue and markets and where you're ultimately going to go. It's actually, it's got to be amazing and unbelievable for you in a way. It really, it it really is. Um, it's, it's still a major challenge and there's still a lot of work to be done. However, um, it, it, you know, it really, you know, this technology just gives us such an incredible opportunity. And my whole thing is it's, it's such an amazing technology that all I want to do is make sure I don't mess up. I just have to do it justice. I have to. Um, so I have no ego involved in this, whatever it takes to be successful in this business, then then that's what's going to happen. Um, now in terms of licensing the technology, it really allows us to, to not be too, um, uh, needy for, for capital. Um, so no matter how large we grow in revenue, uh, we'll never have a big team. And I think that's important that we don't, you know, have this monster payroll and, you know, have to, you know, have that pressure of, um, uh, of needing to, you know, fulfill that every month where we never know where that next check's coming from, right. you know, being a primarily a licensing company as we move forward, um, you know, allows us to keep our small team intact really forever. We don't need to grow in numbers that much. Uh, it's really an amazing concept, not just the product, but the, the business itself and the idea of, of where you've taken this in really a short period of time, I mean, I, I think it's really a phenomenal thing, and I think it's so important for for people who are interested in becoming entrepreneurs to study companies like yours and people like you, because uh, it, it doesn't happen overnight. It takes a lot of hard work and dedication, a lot of passion. I mean, you really 
when you're talking about this product and you've got passion for it, you believe in it, you love it, you probably live it. And I think that's something that people need to know about if they're going to get into, you know, some sort of entrepreneurial business. Absolutely. I, I, you do have to live it and breathe it. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, I think it's also important to be super realistic on, on, you know, your expectations going into it. I mean, we, we had this wildly successful Kickstarter ex- almost two years ago to the day right now. Um, and I just received my first paycheck, you know, a month ago. Um, and you know, that, that was pretty hard. You know, I, I also, I drive an hour each way from Los Angeles to orange County, uh, every day to go to work. And so I'm driving a ton. And then after our, I work all day in orange County, I come back and I teach a tennis lesson at night to pay my bills. Right. So that's been going on for the last two years. And it's just, you know, having two jobs like that is, uh, it's not easy, but it, it was necessary for me to, to, you know, survive. Um, but, you know, I think it's also important. It's not just simply having a cool technology. Oh, look, hey, we have a square wheel. It's, you know, funny shape. It's, you know, we, we, re- we didn't go into business until we realized that we had a better product. And I think that's really important to say is that we've had this scientifically tested. It lasts 20% longer than any wheel ever tested. Wow. Um, and, you know, if you think about it, a, a normal wheel it has one center point. Any circular wheel ever built, no matter how big or small it is, it has one center. Well, our wheel has multiple centers. The center keeps changing and oscillating side to side, so it takes much longer for it to wear out. A circular wheel, because it has that one center point, it wears unevenly. Think about a shopping cart when you push it around and how much vibration it has and how it doesn't like to turn. It's because that wheel wore out unevenly. And ours wears very evenly through the life of the wheel because those multiple center points helps us last longer. That's just one of our many advantages. Um, So when we realize how many true competitive advantages we have, um, that's when we knew we had a legitimate business. Right, right. Yeah. Now, you know, what what kind of advice would you give to people looking to do what you did, start a business? I mean, look, you had the ability to to go and play it safe. You were a tennis pro. You probably could have had a successful business, you know, with with tennis and it was safe. But you you really kind of said, hey, listen, I'm just going to go for this because I believe in it. What advice would you give to people looking to do that same thing? Um, you know, I, I, what, what I would do is, um, is make sure that the business that you're diving into, um, not only is it a good idea, a lot of people have good ideas. Uh, probably, you know, probably people have great ideas every day. Um, but it's not just about the idea. It's about the plan and it's about, you know, making sure that, um, that you can make your ideas a reality and, and knowing how much goes into doing that. Um, also, as we touched on earlier, making sure that you build that all-star team to surround you. Cause no matter how great you are, you can't do it all. Um, even the guy that reinvented the wheel can't do it all. And he knows that. And I think that's very important to, make sure that you have that support system and that team that believes in the product just as much as you do to, uh, to help grow that business. So, um, as Mark Cuban always seems to say on shark tank, it's better, you know, to own 50% of a billion dollar company than it is to own 90% of something that's not making much money. Um, 
So I think it's very important to uh, to do that. And also, I think that Kickstarter is a great vehicle to prove that there is interest in your product before you dive in headfirst. Um, you know, you might think it's a great idea. Your family might think it's a great idea, but the market will tell you if it's a great idea. And I think that Kickstarter is just, you know, and Indiegogo, those, those, uh, those, those places are such great avenues to, to see if it's worth moving forward. Absolutely. And I think that testing the market really before you jump in and, and throw away something else in your life, because I know a lot of people that do that, they don't test the market, they don't know if their idea is viable, if people are going to buy it, they're not ready to make that commitment about hard work and, you know, working more than you did when you were working for somebody else. And then it fails and they come back and they say, well, I don't understand what happened. I did everything that I, I thought I was doing, you know, or supposed to do, but that's just not the case. Right. And I think that, you know, that sometimes it's too romanticized that, hey, you can just, you know, put go all in and start your own business. And it's like, that is a pretty cool thought to have that you, you know, take something from scratch and really build it into something real. And that's awesome. But at the same time, you got to be really realistic in what you're doing and, and really take a measured approach because, there is, you know, a lot of possibility for failure. I mean, even on Shark Tank, you see some people are mortgaging their house for something that is clearly a dying business. And I think that that is not uh, very romantic to do that. Um, so, you know, I think there's just so much that goes into it and um, making sure you're surrounded by the right people, making sure your product is is something that's worth moving forward on and uh, really knowing what you're getting yourself into. You know, I had that fallback option of tennis where if it didn't work out, I knew that I, I had something um, that was always there for me and had something that was there while I was doing Shark Wheel because I needed some level of income. Um, so, so, you know, I had that ability to, to still make enough money to cover all my bills while I tried to grow this thing. Now, you know, one final point that I want to I want to address and I want to ask you about, I'm sure just like everyone else who starts a business, who starts a company, building a product, building an idea, I am sure that on a daily or weekly basis, you have had a lot of hurdles and disappointments and people telling you this isn't going to work. How do you deal with that negativity or this idea of, of, of something being a problem? How do you deal with it? I can give you a perfect example of how we have already dealt with it. Um, so some people on the flip side, some people think that it's the greatest thing they've ever seen. You know, we're fully immersed in the skateboarding market. So you'll see a lot of skateboarders. They can't wait to get their hands on. They think it's literally the coolest thing ever in their minds. They understand the science behind it. They see the advantages behind it. Um, they see its off-road capabilities that it's literally the best off-roading wheel on the planet. It's half thin wheel, half wide wheel. It has the benefits of both. Um, they see that. However, there's some people in the skateboarding community that, uh, can't stand it. They, um, you know, they, they think that it's a gimmick. They think it's a joke. Um, and so what happened was early on, we got a lot of negative comments on the discussion forums. Um, and we believe in, the performance of our products so much we've never had somebody ride them and not like them so what we did was we found the 33 most negative people online that's the number it ended up being 33 people that were just tearing us apart online right um and we we asked them for their address and sent them free product wow um and 
we just, you know, we, we firmly believe that we have a better product. It's a, it's literally a better wheel. And, um, and what, what happened was we got all these threads after we did that from skeptic to believer. And, you know, they said, uh, you know, these guys, you know, they've been in the market for a very short time and, you know, we didn't, you know, we, we, we were giving them in you know, a real hard time online and, uh, you know, in the skateboard community, you, st- you really have to pay your dues before you get your respect. And, you know, these guys still haven't paid their dues fully. But what I can say is that they have an amazing product. Their product does work as advertised. And even though they have a lot of, um, you know, big claims, the, the product does live up to the claims and, you know, I, I'm pleasantly and almost shocked at, you know, the, the performance that I'm getting out of these things. And, uh, so I have to say that I've gone from a skeptic to a believer. So that's one of the things that we've done is tackle the problem kind of head on. Right. Um, because we know that we perform, there's just no doubt about it. And we've already won international competitions around the world and we're showing that we're really a high performance product. And, you know, if we can show even the safety of the product where people are taking our wheel 50 miles an hour down mountain passes, sliding the wheels next to the side of cliffs, which is happening all the time. Um, well, we definitely can work in uh, markets where we go one mile an hour, like in the <laughs> stroller market and the wheelchair market. We know that, uh, you know, we're going to, uh, outperform those other wheels in those markets. It's really amazing. And what a great story because so many times people will get negative feedback or comments online. And, and, and this happens a lot in the restaurant industry. Somebody will complain about something and you stick your head in the sand and hope it goes away. And it doesn't. But to address that problem head on and to take some of these people who were doubting you or criticizing you and to convert them, that's, that's an unbelievable story. That's great. I mean, and we still have, you know, some of those haters that are sprinkled around out there, but, you know, we're starting to gain a level of respect in the community because, you know, we're really are a legit company. We're not a fly by night gimmick. Right. Um, you know, we're, we're really an alternative to, um, to the circular wheel, you know, um, you know, in that, in the skateboarding market, uh, there's a lot of great companies, but what you see is, is really a lot of the same companies using the same material and it becomes really a branding play who has the best brand. Um, and the innovation had really stopped in the skateboarding markets, you know, in the last 30 years. And, um, so we had, you know, provided something that, um, you know, had, had never existed. It's like, it really, we feel like we're providing that in all markets. We feel that the circular wheel has had a monopoly up until this point. Nobody even knew that there was an option. And for the first time, we're at least providing an option. It's amazing. The whole thing is amazing. The whole story of your company, the idea that, you know, someone could say, hey, wait a minute, I'm going to defy conventional wisdom and I'm going to create a wheel that's not round. And then the way you've approached it, I, I think it's it's an amazing story and, uh, you know, I want to thank you for taking the time today to share that story with us because we see you on Shark Tank, we see the company, but you don't get that backstory and, and to see exactly how much of yourselves you guys have put into this. And I really appreciate that. Now, people want more information about the product, about your company. Where can they go to buy it? How, how can they contact you? Absolutely. So, uh, all you have to do is go to sharkwheel.com. Um, and you'll see, um, you know, we're actually still in the process of building our website cause it, it, uh, when we aired on shark tank, um, we, we had to build it as minimally as possible. So we didn't, you know, so our website didn't crash. So we're, we're in the process right now of, uh, making it, uh, 
a little more visually appealing and really building it up. But you can see so much about us online simply by Googling us. And, um, you know, we, we challenge everybody out there to, uh, to test our product and you can get it on sharkwheel.com and, uh, you know, the holiday season's not too far away and we are the perfect gift if you want to get something unique and really cool for someone. Well, it definitely is unique and cool and, and it's really, I've seen the demos, I've seen the stuff that's online. It's amazing. So I wish you guys continued success. I'm sure that in the next, you know, few years, we're going to see these wheels on everything and, uh, you know, to think back about how you started, it's amazing. So I wish you guys the absolute best. Thank you so much, Peter. Really, uh, really enjoyed my time with you. Well, thank you so much for being on today. All right. Bye. All right, Zach. number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.